Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. So we've been tracking for this year. The Lord's been really speaking to us. There's four things that as a congregation, as a body on earth, that He wants us to focus on. And these are the things. If you remember, there was that, that dream that he's been speaking to me about. I heard the voice of the Lord say this. He said, Ryan, I want to impregnate you with seed this year. And I saw a picture of a field full of daisies and flowers. And they would spring up every year at the rains, but they would die down again. They wouldn't leave any substance on the horizon. They wouldn't leave any structures or any history. It would just be something that would come and go in very quick, short cycles. And I saw God hand come in. He said, I'm planting trees. And these are the trees that could last for centuries. These are the trees that are planted by the banks of the river. These are the trees that are for the healing of the nations. And God said, ask me for the soil. Ask me for the seed. And one of the four things that we're going to just be focusing on this year as we go through uh, 2023 is that God would work on the soil of our hearts. God would develop the soil of our hearts, the very seat of our emotions, the very place of our decisions, the very place that we come to worship God, and that he would release seed, that he would sow his seed abroad, that he would use us even as seed, and that he would come and dig the wells. You know, seed is good and soil is good, but all of that is pointless without water. And God wants to bring us to a place where he is watering us. And he would use us to dig the wells and keep us in a place where we stay by the river. And I want us to turn together. uh, Let's read from Genesis chapter 26. This is where I'm picking up today on digging the wells. Genesis chapter 6. Let's read together from verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famines that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, or dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I love how God doesn't, God says to Isaac, I'm going to tell you what to do. And Isaac thinks, okay, God's going to tell me I'm ready. And he says, I'm going to tell you the land where you're going to go. And he says in the very next sentence, this is the land you're going to do. We're coming to a point, I want to just release this over you, where God's answers are coming quickly into your hearts. Where God's answers for things that you've been seeking for and looking for, they're coming quickly into into your heart. This is not a moment where you have to wait any longer. This is a time where God's voice is going to come. And even as I had made that funny story about... Not just visiting God on Sundays, but dwelling. He says, I'm coming to dwell in your land. This is a place where we want Jesus to dwell, where Jesus could set up habitation to come and actually tabernacle, to live in a tent amongst us. So God said to Isaac, I'll show you. And then the next sentence, he says, this is the land. I will be with you and I will bless you. And to you and your descendants, I will give all of these lands, which I will establish And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. We're in verse 4. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. And I will give your descendants all these lands. And and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar. 
something about obedience too. Trevor was talking a couple weeks ago about obedience. Simple obedience, swift obedience, sacrificial obedience, celebratory obedience. We need to obey. When the men of that place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. Does this sound familiar? Hopefully not to anything you guys have said to your husbands, wives, husbands and wives, but from a story that Abraham said. So they said, she's my sister, for he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of that place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. I'm sure I've heard you say that about your wives, men. It came about when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought in my heart I might die on account of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now Isaac showed, Okay, isn't the Bible great? You guys have been watching your Netflix series. Let me tell you, this is even more juicy. I love the word of God. I love the, the reality of God's story. I'm just smiling. I'm, I'm, this is not a word of knowledge, but I'm hoping none of you have had a week like this. <laughs> so anyway, where were we? Verse 12. I like this one. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds, a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which was his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. I love how the... The scripture just keeps painting these opposites. At first, Isaac came and he was afraid of death with Abimelech, so he lied about his wife. Then God blessed him, and now Abimelech is afraid and wants to send Isaac away. It's just always these swaps and these, these changes and these parallels and these symmetries. Then um, Abimelech said to Isaac, go away. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerard quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Isaac. Because they contended with him, and that means contention. They dug another well, and they quarreled over it too. So he named it Sitna, which means enmity or hate. He moved away from there and dug yet another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. I love how God knits everything together. Rehoboth, at last we will be fruitful in the land because God has made room for us. There is a new pathway that God is putting in our hearts. Even this morning, by the word of two or three witnesses, it can be confirmed. So Lord, would you do that? So for this new season, for this year ahead, for us to accomplish what God is saying to us, 
is going to be one of the big keys is how do we dig the wells? How do we keep the flow of life flowing? How do we remove blockages? How do we maintain a fresh supply for us and for those around us? Because seeds are no good without soil, and soil is no good without water. And so I want us to look at some of the enemy strategies. And here's the first enemy strategy. He wants to block the well. As we were reading through that text, a couple of things that stood out to us, and it all come together as we get through there. But the word father is used eight times. The word Abraham is used six times. The word block and the way that the enemy blocked the wells is done many times. The first time it's when Abraham uh, had passed away. The Philistines, which were the enemy of the family of Abraham and Isaac. They weren't even Israel yet. Okay, but, but where do we put ourselves in this? The family of God and God's the enemy, the people against the anointing of God on earth. So in the Bible, it's the Philistines. But I just want to say this right up front. This is not about a battle against flesh and blood. We, we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and forces and rulers in the heavenly places. So when, I'm talking, when I'm talking about enemy here, okay, I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm not talking about the people that we don't always get on with at work. I'm talking about the enemy, the devil, and the spiritual forces that want to come and hinder the anointing of God upon our life. And they come and they block up the wells. They blocked up Abraham's wells. When Isaac was blessed, they blocked up Isaac's wells because they were jealous. When Isaac moved away and dug up more wells, they blocked up the wells because they were trying to hinder his supply of life. And so it's one of the enemy's tactics to block up the well. And I want to speak, even as I'm speaking, you know, the Lord will begin to speak to you about any areas where your flow has become blocked. What was that prophetic word, Anna, that you've, you've got there? I just, I'm so aware of what God's already said. And we come, we come with what we've prepared. And I know that God wants us to, to make sure that we're flowing with Him. We don't just want to keep going, well, God, you know, I've got this really good thing prepared here, Lord. You know, it spent me a couple of days. I've been working really hard. I've been studying hard, Lord Jesus. And He comes and He moves in this way. Do you know what? I, God, I want to move with you. I want to flow with you. Here's, here's this. I want, to, I want to read this because it just is so confirming. I will remove the barriers that have left you barren. Isn't that good? Grasp hope today. I will make a way for wells for your future. Wow. God wants to remove barriers that have left us barren. God wants to remove barriers that the enemy has put in place that tries to hinder us. So why? Why is this his main tactic? Okay. Throughout the Bible, every time we see a well, we see a place of access. If you read through Genesis and Exodus and all throughout the Old Testament, every time one of the patriarchs, one of the fathers of the faith, met their wife, do you know where they met them? At the well. Any single people in the place today? There's a well in Dudley. <laughs> I, I should have gone, it's actually an amazing well in Dudley. There's an inscription all the way around on the floor. But yeah, 
Wells are places of access. They were places where marriages were chosen. They were places of relationship. You, you might already uh, be married. You might not be even thinking about marriage right now. They take the marriage away. There are places of relationship. Every single time that we see a well in the Bible, there were places that were communities were formed and were focused. The focus of a community in ancient times was around a well. For obvious reasons, it was the flow of water. They were places that fed and maintained the very commerce and business of the area. They were places where God, Jehovah, met with his people. Just that place, Beersheba, that was, that was the very, very location where God in, appeared to Abraham. He then appeared to Isaac later on in this chapter. He then appeared to Jacob before Jacob went back um, from the, his father-in-law. And went back to take the promised land. It was the very same place. These are no coincidences. There are wells in our lives that are places of access. And if the enemy is doing anything in the moment, I, I can tell you what he's trying to do is to hinder relationships because he wants to block wells. We absolutely love you as a congregation. We absolutely love the life group leaders and the way that they passed you. And I want you to know, I'm not uncovering anything here, but I want you to know that what, we have, what we're hearing and what we're sensing is that the enemy is in the process right now of trying to block wells by destroying relationships. He is trying to block our flows by breaking down the flow of relationship. He has been going after marriages. I want you to know this is a word right now that God is saying there is a highway that's coming that's going to make a way in the midst of relationships. If we can identify what God is doing, we can stand in authority underneath the anointing of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, would you break down that stronghold? Lord, would you remove that blockage? Lord, would you remove that barrier? Lord, I don't want to be barren in any of my relationships anymore. And I'm releasing this word, even at the sound of my voice, that listen, revival fires, people watching online, people in this fellowship, this is a place where the well of relationship will flow. This is a place where marriages are going to cease to be attacked. This is the place where family relationships are going to cease to be attacked. This is the place where we say, enemy, we identify your, your filthy schemes. And we right now, we say, Lord, spring up a well. Spring up a well. I speak blessing, Jesus in your families, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Lord, put your blessing on family. Let this be a place of access. Families are places of access. Families are places where you access relationship and together you access heaven. What are you talking about, Ryan? I don't have Jude come and lead worship in my meal table. If only I could, I would access heaven. You access heaven by your conversations. You access heaven by the way that you pray for your children and the way you pray for your parents. You might not even have children yet. You might not even be married yet. You access heaven by the way you pray for your colleagues. You access heaven by the way you share food and you gather around a place and you build a community. You are a well for your community. I can feel faith rising and getting unblocked this morning. Are you getting unblocked this morning? Wells were places where covenants were made. The enemy's been going after covenants. Marriage is one of the most important covenants. It's a covenant that gives strength to family. And when you have a strong family, you have a strong community. When you have a strong community, you have a strong nation. Lord Jesus, strengthen our nation again.
listen to my words, okay? I'm not criticizing you if you've come through things in the past and your position right now is not where you, where you thought it could have been years ago. I'm talking about this very moment. Are you hearing me? I'm not having a go at people. There are times when it, they, where God has set up new seasons and things have to change. I'm talking about right now. The situation that you're in right now, that's what God is going to shift. That's what God is going to change. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a covenant. And I'm just going to tell you where we're going. At the end of this morning, we're going to be sharing communion. One of the most, well, one of the most. The, the covenant that God has given to us. A new covenant. And this place is a well. And we are going to come and unblock even any place where the enemy has been going after covenant relationships. Where he's trying to be breaking oaths. Where things have been promised and they have been betrayed. Where things have been promised and the enemy has taken them away. God is coming to bring about an unblocking that happens there. His, his strategy is to block wells because wells are the very source of life. If you get disconnected from life you die. The human body can go without food for around 40 days. I'm not calling another fast. <laughs> you don't need to test that one. But it can go without water. I thought it was three days. That was what I grew up. You know, you can't go without, without water for three days. Some, some doctors, some places say it's around five days. You know, I'm looking at Dr. Richard Bramble. <laughs> Richard said, try it. We'll find out. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. <laughs> I can't go without water for about five minutes. But here's the thing. If you get disconnected from the source, you die. The enemy wants us to go and to, to, be, to die. He wants us to experience death. And he does that by disconnecting us. There are places in our lives where things just feel disconnected. Have you ever broken an arm or a leg or maybe even a toe? Okay, let's just talk about toes. Because you've all stubbed a toe, right? Are we even breathing if we haven't stubbed a toe? Especially the one in the bedroom, the, the, the bed post. Ouch. Oh, man. It's, and it's always, yeah, I won't go there. And, you know, and the pain that you feel. And when things are broken and disconnected, the, the source of life doesn't flow to it. And it's just a little toe, but it changes the way that you walk. It changes the way that you walk. It changes the way that I talk. It changes my whole character and nature. Why are you so upset this morning, Ryan? Ah, my toe. Someone walked past me. Don't touch me, my toe is broken. It changes my nature, my character. You see, if the enemy can get, get us into places of disconnect, he can change the character in us where we were called to reflect the very character and nature of God. But he can bring us to places of disconnect. And disconnection, if you're allowed to continue, will eventually lead in death. Lord, come and bring connections back. There are connections that are going to be made because wells are being unblocked today. And you can go out of here and you're going to go into a situation. I don't know what your situation is, but let me call some out. There could be places and work environments where relationships are disconnected. And you're going to go in there today because faith is going to activate something in this place. And tomorrow it's going to be different. And you're going to say, Lord, what happened? I didn't change. And God's going to say, I unblocked a well in you. 
Lord, there is disconnection in families where there are children who need to come and meet Jesus. There is disconnection in family, Lord Jesus, where there are children who have met with you and they're crying out for their parents and their grandparents to meet with you. Would you bring an end to disconnection? Unblock the wells, Lord Jesus. Talking about life and death. Here's the thing about a well. It's the difference between deep and wide. One of the places we love to go on holiday in France is a place called the Loire Valley. And there are the most amazing rivers there. Braided, huge, wide rivers with, with white sandy beaches and banks. And, and um, you know me on, on holiday. Well, you might not, but I'll explain it to you. On holiday, I see water. And if the sun's shining, I'm like, I want to go fishing. Or I want to go swimming. <laughs> and the great thing is I have a 13-year-old son who's like, my biggest ally. Hey, Dad, let's go swimming in the river. You know? so, so we come down to this river, the Loire River, and it's huge. I mean, like, it's from me to Jesson's school. That's a block away, wide. And we look at the banks. We stand at the banks of this river, and we think, man, I could swim in that. But I could get killed. Like, it looks too, too powerful, too crazy. So what we do is we bring our costumes. We put our costumes on. Watch out my broken toe bin as we're wading through the water. And we go in through the river. And do you know what we discover? This river is like 70, 100 feet wide, but it's only a couple of feet deep. And we go in the winter, and the river is raging. And we go in the height of summer, and the river is just minimized to just a few little trickles. And all of a sudden, what felt like something that should have been so powerful, so much fun, so invigorating, was actually quite tame. We could just walk through it. I mean, yeah, of course I got myself in the river, but I had to get on my knees. I had to get on my bum. You know, I had to get wet. But here's the thing with a well. A well can only be a couple of feet wide, but it needs to be 70 feet deep. It needs to be 100 feet deep. And what God is saying as he wants to come and unblock things is he's saying, this is not the time for shallowness anymore. This is not the time for tameness anymore. This is a time where he is going to go so deep in our lives. Here's the other thing about that. A well has access to water no matter what the season is around it. It might look like it's hot and it's dry and that river Loire could have gone down to a trickle and you think, where am I going to get water from? But yet the well has a constant, continual flow of water because it's in a hidden place. The enemy wants to come and he wants to block our lives in hidden places. He wants to battle for you for your secret place. He wants to battle for you for the hidden places of the, the strength and the sources of your connection and your relationship with God. How does he do it? He does it by guilt. Oh, you, you're reading your Bible today. That's good for you. Don't you feel good? Yeah, I feel great. You didn't do it yesterday. Am I anyone else? In the room? Oh, man. And he wants to go after the hidden places in your life. Oh, you're reading your Bible today. Oh, great. You're getting ready to preach. Oh, great. That's good. But um, you're such a good preacher. Yeah, I am. You've got this message. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. But remember when you broke your toe and you shouted at your kids? He wants to come and take away the power of the hidden place. He wants to come and sow seeds of guilt, seeds of shame. And if he can block the flow of your hidden place, he can disconnect you and you can take you out of life. And I want to say over you, just as I say over myself, there is a secret place with the Lord under the shadow of his wings where the enemy cannot go. 
There is a place in the presence of God that he has no right to access. There is a place in the presence of God where your roots can go deep, where, as it were, your well can be dug down deep into a place. And that's the place when you, when you cultivate the secret place, when you grow in the hidden place. That's the place when it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. You have a supply of water. It doesn't matter when the sun beats down on people around you. You have a supply of water. It doesn't matter where in your workplace or your ministry place people are complaining or, com- or saying that the situations are bad. You have a supply of water. Because God is taking us away from being 70 foot deep, 70 foot wide and one foot deep. And he's making us 70 foot deep and one foot wide. Would you do that, Lord Jesus? You can clap for that. Do a deep thing, Lord. Wells marked territories. This is why the enemy goes after wells, because they mark territories. In the ancient times, when this story was written, uh, that, we, that we read about with Isaac and Abraham, Abimelech, the Philistines, if you dug a well in a land, and if you named the land, it meant that you owned all the surrounding land. Oh, this is good. Let me say it again. If you went into a bit of a land, and you dug a well, and you named that well, you, by right, owned the land. It's as good as going into an estate agent, putting out the money, stamping, signing your signature on the deeds and saying, I own the land. It was that, that powerful. It was that equivalent. So just think about this. Why does the enemy want to block wells? Because if your well's blocked, you don't have access to the land anymore. You leave. And who takes the territory? God wants to unblock wells in our lives because he wants to give you back the territory There is territory in the spirit that God is saying, now 2023 is the year that you're going to take ground. Now 2023, 2023, 2020, 2023 is the year where you're going to take ground. God is saying, this territory, it's yours. Rich and Liz, he's giving you territory. Maureen, Jackie, he's giving you territory. Luke and Lauren, he's giving you territory. Jake Adele, he's giving you territory. I'm going to call you out. Shaw and Lana, he's giving you territory. Who's at the back? Prath, he's giving you territory. Jonathan, he's giving you territory. The enemy wants to take you away and block your well. But you're going to say, no, God, this is my land. I'm going to name this land. This is where name and claim it comes from. Sometimes I'm a name and claim kind of guy. I feel like a name and claim kind of guy today. Let me tell you that. If you name the well, you claim the land. I'm going to name this well Rehoboth because the Lord has made room for me. I'm going to rename the situations that I've been blocked in and say, God, you're going to make room for me and I will be fruitful. I will enlarge and I will multiply. Maybe not too much, but in the spirit, Lord Jesus, I want disciples for Jesus Christ. I want the kingdom of heaven here on Dudley, on, in Dudley as it is in heaven, in my street, the Broadway. Would your kingdom come, would your will be done? In my children's school, would your kingdom come, would your will be done? In my workplace, which just so happens to be revival fires as well, but you can make that yours in your school, in your school, in your hospital, in your school, I don't know, teachers, <laughs> in your office, in your, in your lawyer's practice. Your kingdom come. In my, insert your area there, as it is in heaven, because I am unblocking wells that the enemy has tried to block up. And God is giving me territory. The enemy is fighting for your territory because he wants your claim to the territory. It was legitimate ancient warfare, okay, warfare, 
to block up the wells. Because if you blocked up the supply, you defeated the enemy. What they would do, even if there was an army advancing, they would go and they would block up even their own wells in the land between the army and them to stop the supply of water because the army then would slow down. They wouldn't be able to feed themselves, to, to water themselves. And they would, they would win the battle just by blocking up the wells. So it's time to fight for your well. So how, how do the wells get blocked up? Okay, I'm, I'm doing good for time. Let's get through this. The enemy wants to fill the wells to remove the supply in your life, to pollute your supply, and to drive you away, and to destroy your claim on the land. Let me just talk about this for a minute. There was a bunch of things that they would throw in the well to block the well. They would throw earth, dirt, sand. But what was really useful was rocks, because they're really hard to get out. And they damage the well as they go down. And they're heavy and they're difficult. So they'd throw rocks in there. But they were sneaky. Ah, they were evil. Do you know what else they'd throw in the well? Dead carcasses. If they could throw a rotting animal down the well, they could pollute and poison the flow of water. And even if you managed to clear the well, you couldn't always clean the water. You had to wait for the water to get clean. And there's things that the enemy wants to throw in our lives. Stones, dirt, carcasses and each one of these has got a very 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 interesting um, point to it and we'll get to that in a minute but it's times of conflict that he wants to come and block the well remember in this passage in Genesis 26 Isaac went and he dug a well and they came and they blocked it up and he called the well enmity times of conflict times of contention in our lives that the enemy seeks to cause blockage he dug another well and they came and they contended and they fought with him about it and he, he named the well enmity and hate. Just think about that for a minute though. You name and you claim, right? So here he's dug a well and he's called the well contention. He, he doesn't want to claim to it, but he's saying that this land is, is contentious land. God wants to rename things in our lives. He digs another one. I'll dig this one over here. He digs this one over here. There's more strife, more hatred he gets and he calls the well hatred. But he doesn't stop. He digs another one. He, he calls it Rehoboth because they finally made it open space. But there's more. It's in times of famine that he had to dig when the water had run out. And when he was taking new ground, going into new ground that he had to dig. And it was in times of jealousy when he was kicked out of the land. What he, technically, he only just moved down the, route, down the street. Okay? From the town to the valley. That's what he did. He was still in Gerar because God had said, this is your land. He couldn't leave it. But he had to find a place. And there's times when jealousy forces us to, to change and can result in the enemy wanting to block our wells. So what happens in times of famine? It's when the things that we go, the, everything that we go through, God wants to cause it, use it in our lives to cause us to grow. And we come to times of famine. And what would that mean in our 21st century life in times of famine? In the olden days, when it was famine, there would be no rain. When there's no rain, there's no water. When there's no water, there's no food. And everything gets really, really difficult. But there's times in our lives where we experience constriction. There's times in our lives when we go through narrow places. There's times in our lives where difficult things happen to us. Here's what I want to point out. The things that we go through that actually cause us to grow. And it's in times of conflict that we never question our faith but we actually strengthen our faith. We can sometimes feel in times of famine, in times of difficulty, that we, the very thing we start to doubt is, oh man, I doubt my faith. Why did I get you? How did I get you? Was I strong enough? Have I done things right? 
do I have what it takes? And we doubt our faith. Let me tell you, God never takes us through moments of famine to doubt our faith. He takes us through moments of famine to strengthen your faith. Your faith is one thing you can never let go of. Your faith is one thing that you have to hold on to. Ryan, that sounds good, but show me that in the Bible. Okay. Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. I love this. David says this. You, God, have enlarged me. What was the word that Rehoboth means? That well, that final good well, it means enlarged. You've made room. God, you have enlarged me when I won the lottery. Nope. God, you have enlarged me when it was my birthday and everyone threw me the best party and I felt amazing. God, you have enlarged me when I finally got that bonus paycheck raise at work and all of a sudden my cares and my debts are cleared and I'm doing well. God, you've enlarged me. No. This is what Psalm 4 verse 1 says. God, you have enlarged me when I was under pressure. God, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. God, you have enlarged me when I was going through the famine. God, you have enlarged me when I went through times that were constricted, times that were difficult, times that were in trial. And here's the thing. True faith is always tested. And it's tested either by the trials around us or the temptation within us. And the enemy uses both of these tactics to try and block the well. But God uses it to help you dig a deeper well. Let me say that again. True faith is tested by trials around us or by the temptation within us. God tests us to bring out the best in us. But Satan tempts us to bring out the worst in us. Now, God never uses temptation. Let me tell you that, okay? If you want a biblical theology for that, read James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I'm not going to read it today, but go and read it. James outlines. James was the head of the church in Jerusalem during the time of the apostles. And he outlines the difference between trials and temptations and that how God uses trials for the building up of our faith, to strengthen our faith. Let me put it like this. There are things that you are going through even this week that God is saying, my, my child, pick up a shovel and dig with me because you are going to find water. Dig up, my, dig up the shovel and dig with me and we are going to unblock a fresh source in this place. And the enemy is there saying, oh, but what if you just ran away? That would be easier. And he's trying to block up the potential flow of water. He's trying to block up the well. Let me show you this in, um, in the life of Isaac. So testing, we dig deeper wells. But temptation, we block up the wells. Here's the thing. We get to choose, friends. So for Isaac, in a time of famine, we've read it, Genesis 26. The, the, test, the test that came to Isaac was, in the time of famine... Will you trust what God had said to your father? God had said to Abraham, I will give you this land. I will bless you. I will make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky, than the sand on the seashores. And all of a sudden famine comes. And the test that comes is, will I run away to Egypt? Or will I stay in the very place that God's called me to stay? And in the, the, the temptation is, Will you run away to Egypt? The testing is, will you trust God? The temptation is, will you run away to Egypt? What about then when we we read about um, Isaac and his wife? The testing in relationships is this. Will you believe God's promise to keep you alive? Will you believe God's promise to sustain you? And the temptation is this. 
Will you lie to save your life? We know what Isaac did. We've read the story. He lied. And side note, exactly like his father did three times. If there was ever a biblical, we'll get there one point, at some point. We're talking this year about a new page being turned, about God writing a new story, about old cycles being broken, patterns being broken. And yes, God has given you access right now to eternal life. But sometimes there are behavioral patterns that can become strongholds in our lives that we need to break. There you go. Isaac and Abraham. Isaac followed his father and lied about his wife because he feared for his life. That was a testing. God, why, why did it happen to Isaac again, just like it happened to Abraham? To see if the cycle was broken, to see if faith was rising, to see if they would handle situations differently. And even in that, sometimes we face situations that keep coming back around to us. And I've said this, you've probably said this, here we go again. I'm having to face that again. Why am I having to face that again? Because it's an opportunity for you to dig that well deeper. It's an opportunity for you to go back to that water again and to trust in the flow of water rather than what the enemy would want you to do is to start to block it up. When, when it came to his wealth and his blessing, you know, even blessings can be a testing. The testing that happened to Isaac is, will you sow in the land? And the temptation is, Will you become stagnant and stop digging? Will you just become satisfied with where things are at or will you continue? See, unbelief asks this, how can I get out of this? It's, an unbelief, it's with unbelief that the enemy wants to fill up the well. And then unbelief asks this question when we go through testings, when we go through difficulties. How can I get out of this? But faith, faith asks this question when you're going through difficulties. What can I get from this? So good, isn't it? Very, very similar. In the midst of what you're going through, the enemy would want to say to you, how can you get out of this? Get out of this. This is not the place you need to be. This is not, this is not the place, of the territory God's given you. Has God really said? Is, is this what you should be doing? Maybe you haven't got what it takes. Maybe you need to drop it and run. Maybe you need to leave that behind. Maybe you're never going to be good enough. Maybe you're not, never going to be quick enough or fast enough or clever enough. Maybe this is not the place. That's what the enemy wants to say. But faith says, God, what can I get from this? How can you change me in this situation? How can I dig a well in this place where the water rises up? How can I see territory change? How can I do the impossible through this natural, carnal, physical man? Because with me, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I feel that there's a faith that is even rising. There's a faith that can dig wells today. That can destroy and remove unbelief that's blocked the wells. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to fill up the wells in our lives with earth. And what's, what does the earth represent? It represents the carnal thoughts and practices, the fleshly logic and the ways of man. We were made of earth. But God came and he breathed his spirit into us. I'm talking about Genesis, where God created us as humankind, as mankind, as man and woman, as, as, as living, breathing beings. We were made of earth. That's the, the carnal part that he breathed his life into us. And the enemy wants to come and he wants to fill wells up with earth. That is, any single time we're facing a situation, how do we think about it? Do we think about it with worldly thoughts? As I've just talked about, unbelief, how can I get out of here? Faith, what can I get from this? Do we think about what we're facing 
in places of sickness? Do we think about the difficulties and the temptations that we're facing with a carnal mind? Or we think, God, what can you do in this place? The second is stones. He wants to throw stones into the wells. Stones are the heavy, weighty difficulties that we just can't get over by ourselves. Sometimes there's things that we've gone through. The world uses words like trauma. There's things that we've gone through with, with history. There's places that we've, we've entered that have just become so difficult. And by ourselves, we can't get over it. If we don't address those areas in our lives, they could become stones that the enemy can use to keep in a well and block the flow. And what do we do? We have to go get alongside people that we can be real with, that we can trust, that we can receive ministry, prayer, and counsel. And we do not allow well, uh, our wells to get blocked by stones. What are you full of? Are you full of the, the carnal thinking? Are you full of a heavenly mindset? Are you full of some of the, the weight of what it is that you've been through in your life, in, your, in your, this last month, in this year so far, even this week, the difficulties that you're facing? Or are you going to say, Lord, take this heart. We talked about this even on the 1st of January. Take this heart of stone. Give me a new heart. I don't want to have any stones that the enemy can use to throw in my well. I want a heart of flesh. I want a heart that's soft. What are we full of? Sometimes the enemy wants to even use the things that we can't move over and move past as a dead carcass to throw in our well. The dead animals rot, pollute, poison the water. What is that? That's the old man. That's the old woman. That's the old way of thinking. Sometimes preachers call it stinking thinking. That's a new way of thinking about it now. Sometimes um, we, we drag behind with us all the people that we've been offended with or that we haven't forgiven. And we drag these carcasses around with us and it's a heavy weight. And those of you who did baptisms, wasn't baptisms amazing last Sunday? That was just... Those testimonies that you guys shared of how God is transforming your life. One of the things that Gary and Hannah teach when we go through baptism training is what happens is you're dying to your old man and you're resurrecting into the new self. You're leaving behind in the pool your old man. You're leaving behind in the water the dead things. But what sometimes we can do when we don't move in forgiveness, when we, when we hang on to bitterness, when we, when we stay in offense, and this is my favorite line about offense. Offense is an event. It happens. Offended is a decision that we take. We carry... I think I'll say that again. That was good. Mm. <laughs> offense is an event. We all get offended. I'll try my best with my family with my friends and with my church, not to offend you, but it'll happen because I'm human. <laughs> Offense happens. It's an event. I'm not justifying it. I do my best as well to keep short accounts. But being offended is a decision. We say, I'm going to be offended with that. I'm not going to walk in forgiveness. I'm not going to let him go of what he said to me. And that becomes a decision that we make. And when we do that, we're walking through life and we, we feel like things are just dragging. We're walking through life and we feel like the flow of water is being blocked. We're walking through life, we're like, man, this just doesn't smell good anymore. 
Because the enemy is taking the carcass that we haven't got rid of, and he's blocking our wells with it. So we are going to be a people that continue to unblock our wells by keeping short accounts, walking in forgiveness, dealing with offense, letting go of the, the betrayal, sometimes the hurt, sometimes the heartache, the wounds or the brokenness sometimes, that we just don't quite know what to do, the stink of unforgiveness and bitterness. We take that to God. Unbelief says, how can I get out of this? But faith asks, what can I get from this? I want us to be a people who are full of the Holy Spirit, unpolluted by the world, unoffended by conflict, unembittered by trials, and not stagnant with disappointment. Do you want that? See, how is all of this possible? I mean, I'm talking, yes, God does use famines and difficulties and trials to dig the wells. And yes, we need to do that. But I want to talk to you about Jesus. Because this is the key. This, he is the key. He is the highway. He is the path. He is the door. He is the one that makes all of this possible for faith to fill our well. And I want to link this story. You don't have to turn. I'm going to turn. I'm going to read to you a couple of verses from John chapter 4. This is another well. It's the well of Jacob. It's Jacob's well. So Abraham dug wells. They were blocked up. Isaac dug wells. They were blocked up. He kept digging. His son, Isaac's son, Jacob, he dug wells. And this very well is the well that we read about now about Jesus. You know, I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? He is perfect theology. He is perfect application. He is perfect life. Every time we come to Jesus, we feel a source of life welling up within us. And this is why John 4, chapter John chapter 4, verse 5. So he, Jesus, came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came from a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Think about that. I have a a well that sometimes gets blocked. And I know that the well is for me. And I know that the well is for my family. It's for your, your well is for your family. Your well is for your workplace. Your well is for your street. Your well is for your region. Wherever you watch online, your well is for your nation. And here comes Jesus. Would you give me a drink? Whoa. I was ministering to you. And now you want me to minister to you. What's going on? Give me a drink. And and the woman's. Uh, For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. And the woman said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for your drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. It's a good well. It's a deep well. Where then do you get this living water? You are no greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And you can just hear in this woman what I've talked to you about, trials and temptations. She's battling. She is struggling. Jesus is asking for something and she's trying to understand. There's obstacles that are here. There's carnal thinking. How do I think about this? There's cultural barriers. There's wounds of her past. It was the sixth hour that's... Midday, 12 o'clock, a woman would normally have gone and drawn water in the morning or at the nighttime when it was cooler and easier. But she was an outcast. Why was she an outcast? Jesus said, because she had four husbands and the man she's living with right now isn't even her husband. 
her behavior in her society resulted in a difficulty. And in this difficulty, Jesus was coming to meet with her. You see, in her difficulty, she was going to a well. In her difficulty, she wasn't running away. And there's all these difficulties that she had, these obstacles. But Jesus offers her water. And I want to read on verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in them a well of water springing up to eternal life. Here's how we can overcome this, not by our own efforts alone, not by our own power, our might, our own strength alone, our own smarts or abilities, but by the Holy Spirit. We carry a well. You carry a well. You carry a well. You are a well for the people around you. And I want you just to see this. Jesus comes. He is the well, capital W, and he sits on a well, Jacob's well, and he calls forth a well within the woman. There was a well sitting on a well, offering in a well. And I want you to know today, Jesus is here and he says, I've got a well for you. You carry a well. Do you carry it well? How well are you carrying the well that Jesus has put upon you? Because you carry a well. And when you know this, when you realize this, you say, yes, Jesus, give me living water. And that cry of faith, that answer of faith can go straight down and dig a borehole right into the bed of the bedrock of faith. And you can draw living water and you can be a well. See, when the land is dry, I want you to know you carry a well. When there's fire to put out, I want you to know you carry a well. When you are thirsty, you carry a well. When you are weary, you carry a well. When your family needs you, you carry a well. When the situation needs refreshing, you carry a well. For the sake of the generations to come, you carry a well. And it's a well of living water. Let me tell you this. When there is death, the water will keep on flowing. When conflict seems to not cease, the water will keep on flowing. When the hard times keep coming, the water will keep on flowing. When there is a trial, the water will keep on flowing. When there is a temptation, the water will keep on flowing. When the enemy wants to block you at every trial, at every turn, you have a well and the water will keep on flowing. It's a living well of water and it's rising up with us. Just put your hands even on your belly right now. You see, Jesus goes on later in John and he says that out of your innermost being will spring forth rivers of living water. Spring up a well. Spring up a well, God. In the midst of what we're going through, we are saying that there is territory for us to maintain. There is territory for us to claim. Spring up a well. In the midst of what we're going through, Lord, would you unblock? God, I'm asking for you to unblock, even by just the, the words of my teaching, that people would hear it and would realize that there is blockages that doesn't have to be there anymore because Jesus is standing at the well and he is offering me a well of living water. And we release these blockages. We say, be opened in Jesus' name. Be open, spring up a well. And I don't know about you, but I can feel faith rising. I can feel it's something tangible. It's something so real. And I, I find myself even remembering moments when faith would rise in a room to the point where the impossible seemed like it had to happen. Have you been in environments like that? Lord, would you make this an environment where even the impossible seems impossible not to happen? 
where, where there's environments where God's presence has come and faith has risen so strongly that you feel like you're breathing it in and you're breathing it out. As you breathe in, you're breathing in the actual presence of God and it begins to transform you. And you start looking around thinking, is there any wheelchairs in this place? Because God is going to do something. There, there comes a point where faith rises so much that things have to shift. So even today, Lord Jesus, as we talk about faith, as we remember your faith, any stones in us shift in Jesus' name. Any earth in us shift in Jesus' name. Any ways of thinking, Lord, shift in Jesus' name. Any dead carcasses, Lord, remove in Jesus' name. Remove them from our hearts, God. We don't want to carry them anymore, God. We repent and we come and we say thank you for your blood, Lord God Almighty. Your blood that can remove. Your blood that can uncap right now. And I speak a well of faith in your people, Lord Jesus. I speak a well of healing in your people, Lord Jesus. I speak a well of refreshing and blessing in your people. You carry a well. I want you to know, church, you carry it well. When I look at you, you carry it well. Keep digging. Keep growing in that. There's two more things before we end in, in ministry this morning. And here's what I want to do. I want to just teach, talk to you about the renaming. See, Isaac, when he dug the well, he renamed them according to the father's names, according to Abraham's names, according to the original names. And I want you to know that it's time to rename purposes in your life according to the original purpose. Let me tell you a little bit about what I mean. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. The enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. We're getting rid of that. We are going to start to name situations. You see, our house, well, we live on number 73. When we moved in six years ago next month, uh, one of the things we love to do is look up the Psalms for that number or look up a verse for that number and, and claim it over our house. And I found myself, even this week, driving in and seeing number 73 and, and being challenged again to rename in that house the original purpose that God put us there for. Now, nothing's gone wrong, okay? But I've just lived there for six years. And what happens with life? Well, life happens, Ryan. Things can get difficult. You can go through trials. You can go through struggles. And there's been times in that house where together, Anna and I, I'm going to come hold your hand. Anna and I together, we have said that we've had to dig really deep. Have you ever had to say that over yourself? You've been in a situation and you said, man, I've had to dig deep today. How was your day, Anna? I had to dig so deep. What, what happened? Well, there was this person who needed help and I had to dig so deep. And there's places where we've been digging and digging and standing and, and, and standing in faith and, and going for it. And you've been digging deep. And there's times that you almost feel like, I, I can't dig any deeper. I'm, I'm going to have to give up. I don't know if I can keep this going. What, what was God's plan? What was God's purpose? What was God's plan and purpose in the relationship? What was God's plan and purpose in the marriage? What was God's plan and purpose when he called you to that job? God, I've been digging and digging. And he's telling you now, rename it. It's time to stop calling it conflict, that thing that you're going through. It's time to stop calling it difficulty. It's time to start calling it Rehoboth and wide open space. It's time to start naming your situations again. Go back and say, God, what is the original name? I'm going to claim it because that's what you called me to. 
there's wells as well that we're digging for the next generation. Isaac had to dig wells, even though he inherited wells. He had to dig something to have something to pass on. And we say, Lord, we're going to dig something in this place for the generations to come. We're going to dig something in our homes for the generations to come. And that's when we reach Rehoboam, enlargement and expansion. The Lord has made room and you will be fruitful. I just have to show you this. This is a $50 million note. I use it as a bookmark. $50 million, Zimbabwean dollars. And when I read, Lord, you're making us fruitful. Lord, you're making us fruitful. You guys don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> you're like, what? Is he lying? Okay, the camera won't show you this. Zimbabwe um, currency went through a difficult season. <laughs> and this is $50 million. It says there, right there. And I have it in my Bible because whenever I read about fruitfulness, $50 million. <laughs> so, Lord, you're bringing us to a place of Rehoboam. What happens then? He, he, Isaac digs another well. If you go in Genesis chapter 6, and he names it the well of the oath. Lord, I thank you that you bring us to wells of covenant. And I thank you, Jesus, that this is the covenant in your blood, a new covenant, a new way, a new path, a new well that you've dug within us, a well unto salvation, a well that never runs dry. And I thank you for your bread, Lord Jesus, that will satisfy us. And as we share in this precious um, act this morning, that you would dig the wells in our hearts, that you would activate faith, that it would rise up, and that we would be a well for the people around us, that we would be a well for ourselves, for our families and for our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.